Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horse Fix, where you can get that much-needed horse fix and perhaps fix your horse at the same time. I'm Dr. Sandra Holt, and I'm coming to you from Longview, Texas. That's right. I moved. I sold my ranch in Aubrey and got out of the horse boarding business as well as, uh, for all intents and purposes, stopped training outside horses. Here in Longview, I'm still surrounded by horses. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I also am training my horse and showing it. So I'm keeping busy as far as the horse is concerned. But you know, the move itself, selling the ranch, buying a new place and moving was pretty taxing, even though a lot of fun and exciting did take a lot out of me energy and time-wise. In addition, I unfortunately had to relocate my mother from my home to a care facility. You know, she's 93 and it got to the point where she needed extra help. And so sad as it was for me and actually very devastating and emotional, I did make that decision for her and uh, all seems to be well now. I think she's getting along very nicely there. And so I feel blessed uh, for that. At any rate, that's the reason you haven't heard from me in the past three months. I look back, I couldn't believe it's actually been since last May that I did an episode and I really missed it and I hope you missed listening. Now I'm back on a roll and I'm excited. I have so much information to share with you. It's been milling around in my brain and and my heart for these past few months. And so I'm ready to get started and to go back at it. I'm probably a little rusty, so bear with me on that part of it. But let's go ahead and get started. Since I've left Aubrey, I, I should say that I really miss my friends there and all the horses there. It was a wonderful chapter or wonderful book in my life. I've met people that will be forever friends and I'll never forget them and all that they did for me and all they allowed me to do for them and just a very precious, precious part of my life and will will stay in my heart forever. Now, those of you that have listened at all to my podcast know that it's not all about the horse. Yes, the horse is definitely in every episode, but it's also about you, the listener. And whether you're a horse person or not, or whether you even like horses, I like to introduce the equine as a way to help you navigate your way through the challenges that you might have in your life and to help you to develop a self-awareness and a mindset for growth and learning and becoming a better person every single day. You know, I believe that the horse helps us do this in many ways and that the horse is very much like us, more so than you would realize. Also, though, it's important to know that the horse is not the same as the human. And I'm going to get into that today. Hence the subject for this episode. It's anthropomorphism. Yeah, that's a mouthful. And as hard as it is to pronounce, sometimes it's even harder to recognize that we are demonstrating it. 
For those of you that are not familiar with the term, it's applying attributes to non-human entities like a animal or a, a bicycle or a car or a plant and putting attributes onto them that are humanistic. For example, raise your hand if you've ever talked to a plant or a dog or a cat or have named your car, come home from work and have explained your whole day to your fish. <laughs> you know, we all have done it, admit it. And therefore, you know, that's that's exercising anthropomorphism. By the way, I had to practice saying that word before I started this podcast because it sometimes will come out of my mouth kind of twisted, so bear with me on that. But here's what I know about anthropomorphism. It's that sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. Although it's very common for people to put human attributes on uh, our pet's particularly in this episode, the horse, it is not always safe, for one thing. And it's not always beneficial to the horse or to the person. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. But first, let's just talk about why we anthropomorphize our pets and our horses. There are many reasons why we do so. One of the reasons that we humans will talk to our animals and kind of put them in the category of being able to understand us is that we're trying to make sense out of our relationship. We are doing it for our sake. And when we anthropomorphize in other ways as well, most of the time we're doing it for us, not for them. For example, I truly believe, and I've read a lot about this and and researched it, Most of the time, when we put our horses or our pets in a humanistic category, for the most part, we do know they don't completely understand us. We do know that they uh, sometimes they'll get the emotion, they'll get our mood, and therefore we're doing some form of communication with them. But they're not really getting it. And, you know, when we talk to them, we're not expecting them to answer us, of course. would be remiss in saying that they don't give something back to us when we are putting them in the category of a, a listening companion or a consoling companion. They do have a way of giving back to us. And, and I recently read an article, and it was talking about a gentleman named uh, Hal Herzog. And he said this, quote, first of all, he said, talking to our pets is absolutely natural. Human beings are natural anthropomorphizers, meaning we naturally tend to ascribe all kinds of thoughts and meanings to other things in our lives. That led me to think about my grandson, Harrison, when he was about three or four He had the huge box of crayons with the, I don't know, 64 different colors or whatever. And he felt sorry for the maroon crayon because it rarely got used. And he thought it must be sad. 
So he would take that crayon first to color and sometimes would only use that crayon and eventually declared the maroon crayon his favorite color just so the crayon would feel good about himself. And, you know, that's a perfect example of why sometimes we humans anthropomorphize other objects or pets because we have empathy and real unrealistic or realistic it doesn't matter we still possess a sensitivity toward the feelings of that other entity so if i were you i would not feel bad about talking to your car <laughs> or talking to your horse and it actually studies have shown that it's a sign of intelligence and not of silliness or not of stupidity. To back that up, uh, there's a lady named Mary Hood Luttrell, and uh, she's written many articles and done lots of research and studies on human and horse behavior. And she says this. She explains that anthropomorphism is a positive. She says, animal-centric tendencies that allows humans to recognize the similarities we share with animals. She explains that by allowing ourselves to recognize similarities between ourselves and animals, while obviously respecting differences too, that's important, we are better able to see the whole animal. And by seeing the whole animal, we're less likely to commodify its individual parts, like its skin, its fur, its physical conformation or athletic abilities, its usefulness for human purposes or gain, and rather to see, now these are my words, rather to see the horse in this case as a living, breathing creature that deserves respect and empathy. I doubt that there's a rational horse or human anywhere who would deny that there are differences between our species. Many of these differences are immediately obvious, which is why both humans and horses are naturally cautious and nervous the first time we encounter one another. But other differences, such as the fact that horses can't breathe through their mouths or they cannot uh, vomit, but no two individuals, even within the same species, are the same in every way. So it's only common sense to presume that our differences, both innate and acquired, are there. And shouldn't it be equally common sense to assume there are similarities? So here are some similarities in health conditions that you may not have thought of, including heart disease, Lyme disease, joint disease tendon issues and cancers. Also, the horse and the human exhibit similar clinical signs even when the root causes may be different. For example, equine grass sickness and Alzheimer's or self-mutilization in horses and cutting disorders in humans. Yes, in case you're wondering, some horses wake up in the morning trying, trying to hurt themselves. 
and some of you may be aware of that. Uh, full rejection in mares and postpartum depression in women. Equine metabolic syndrome in horses and diabetes in people. Asthma in humans versus what was classically called heaves in horses. So how can we not empathize and how can we not at least anthropomorphize a horse in some of those ways? Of course, you know, I'm always wanting to learn everything I can possibly learn about the horse. and I, But I never blindly believe anything without doing research. But I'm also a staunch advocate for using one's intuition and following your gut. You know your horse. Anytime you interact with horses, you're building a bond and a relationship. And the best way to build a relationship of trust and to stay safe with the horses is to practice, guess what? Anthropomorphism. So up until now, I think I've probably convinced you that anthropomorphism is not a bad thing. And it's actually what many of us trainers do when we are training and working with our horses. Where the trouble lies is with anthropomorphizing our horses when we forget that the horse has a huge sensory input center. It lives for the here and now, and it lives in the here and now. Its entire body, which responds to the slightest touch, sight, or sound that can be dangerous to us or our veterinarians or our farriers or others is what they are all about. So as horse owners, it is our job to demonstrate to our horses that we respect their sensory perception and that we do not put such attributes on them as emotional love. Now, what I mean by that is, sure, you love your horse and you think your horse loves you, but actually it's more of a bond that you have with your horse and your horse has with you. And to explain that, your horse doesn't have a sense of logic in the frame of mind of his or her relationship with you. So logically speaking, if you love someone and they loved you back and you surprised them and went up behind them, they would react in a way that they might be startled, but they would not physically hurt you from that surprise. But with a horse, they will physically hurt you because their first instinct is fear and their second is perseverance. So they want to preserve themselves and their life and they will, they will hurt you. They will kick you or bite you. If they feel threatened, they may buck you off. And even though you feel the deepest love for your horse, they might not feel it back the same way a human would feel it back. And I think, you know, guys, that's so important to realize and know that horses are horses and although they do have similarities, they are not the same as us. And so you can't put the same emotion on a horse that you would be able to put on a person. I think we can all logically agree that horses do not reflect on their purpose or their origin like we do. 
and they do live in the here and now. In the moment, they rely on their sensory input, which evokes instinct. But what about self-awareness and the ability to contemplate consequences? Well, they really can't, although, to be devil's advocate here, isn't it self-awareness and contemplation of consequences exactly what we are teaching our horses when we train them? We tell them, lift your back when I press the spur, and when you lift your back, I stop pressing the spur. So they're learning consequences, aren't they? But are we not anthropomorphizing our horses by bridging their sensory input with their brains to think before they respond or react? And what about training to contemplate consequences? Are we not doing that too? So there's a big question there to ponder, especially for me, I bounce back and forth. Am I training them realistically or am I training them how I think I would train a human? It's a big question. I think it's important to know that horses are not compassionate. They do feel, I believe, and anyone who can categorically deny that horses do bond with other horses and humans and do not feel an emotion are, I think they're wrong. But then let's look at this. What about the excessive objection of anthropomorphism? You know, in the trainer world, as I am in, I see over and over again, people who, trainers slash riders, who do not empathize with the horse. My own cowboy husband has very little empathy for the horse. Now he's not cruel by any stretch, and he does recognize a horse if it's in pain, but he does not empathize with the horse's, perhaps for lack of a better word, feelings about what's going on. So, you know, I feel like people who reject anthropomorphism 100% leads to a devastating denial of the very real and vast similarities that we do share with the horse. With my experience, this denial is far more rampant in the horse industry uh, more than it should be. And um, there, good news is there are trainers out there who do get barred from certain associations like AQHA, etc. These people are far more dangerous to themselves and to their horses, you know, more dangerous than excessive anthropomorphism would ever be. It, it's okay not to be totally empathetic and to realize that Horses are not the same, but they do experience the same types and frequencies of physical pain or discomfort in their bodies or agitation or anxiety. So one should, I think one should recognize that um, pain does exist in them one way or the other. And how often do humans choose to ignore or deny the fact that horses form incredibly deep bonds or friendships? with other horses, and even with particular humans, and that they have strong preferences about who they live with, spend their time with, and interact with. You know, how often do humans choose to pretend that horses somehow naturally enjoy being ridden, <laughs> um, and they feel comfortable wearing excessive tack or uh, voluntarily giving up their little control that they have ever had in their lives uh, or control of their bodies or their choices. So there you have it.
the pros and cons of anthropomorphism. I'm kind of down the middle with this. I do have empathy for the horse. I love the horse. And I can look at a horse and I can feel what they're feeling. But I also know that, again, they are not the same as us. They do not have the emotional bond, the loving bond that we have with them. Their love language is completely different. But my personal feeling, and here's what I know, is that I will always feel that the horse has similarities and that by my recognizing that, I can recognize what they need. And by recognizing the horse's need for understanding, I can better understand myself. If you have any questions, folks, please do not hesitate. Or if you have comments about this particular episode, let me know. And I will definitely put you on the next podcast. I think it's controversial as well as uh, very enlightening for many people to think about anthropomorphism. Now then, just a little plug for my newest venture. I have started Facebook episodes that are live mostly and that are videos of training horses. So you can find it on Sandra Holt Facebook, and I, th- and I think it might be on my Horse Fix Facebook. I'm working toward figuring that one out at the moment. But at any rate, tune in. The The first episode is about five minutes long, and it's just a quick uh, shorty on how to lunge a horse and the do's and don'ts and how to be effective. Some people don't realize that there is a real purpose for lunging other than just wearing your horse out. So tune into that. I want to give a shout out and a thank you to Royal Point Equestrian. I really appreciate you letting me use your arena this morning for my newest venture, my Facebook tutorial on horsemanship. And just wanted to say, you know, I'm, I have a lecture there and I'm so happy to be there. Melissa, the owner, takes such good care of her property and takes even better care of the horses. So I couldn't be happier being here uh, in Longview at the Royal Point Equestrian with my horse, Electra. And as always, I want to thank my friends and my relatives for staying loyal and listening. You all know who you are. And I am thinking of each and every one of you every time I do a podcast and in between. So thanks again, everyone. And until next time, may all your blues be ribbons. Bye-bye.